Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's special episode of TCCP is none other than Wales National Counties and former Glamorgan opener, Connor Brown. So Connor, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Yeah, no, good to be here. Uh, thanks, Aaron. Um, yeah, day's been uh, day's been busy. Um, certainly different. Um, you know, being involved, um, I guess, in recruitment full time in a minute. But um, no, extremely busy. But uh, not happy to be here. Wonderful. That is what we like to hear, Connor. And obviously, thank you very much for taking the time. I know you have been very busy at the moment. We've been. <laughs> putting this in and around the works haven't we for quite a few weeks now but yeah the stars have aligned and here we are finally having a chat on the county cricket podcast and for those who aren't quite familiar or perhaps new to how we operate here at TCCP tonight we'll be talking to Connor all about his early cricketing memories and a large chunk of tonight's episode will of course revolve around the Welsh National Counties and Glamorgan County Cricket Club and then we shall chat at the end of today's recording with a little look ahead to the future. But Connor, before we get into all of that good stuff then, before we jump the proverbial gun per se, I want to take it all the way back to the origins of the Connor Brown cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this simply sensational game? Um, I I imagine it's pretty similar to sort of most um, professionals out there where they start pretty young, uh, whether it's sort of influence from the parents. Um, in my case, it was my dad. Um, dad played for uh, Penta for a number of years. Um, where he still does a little bit of coaching now, to be fair. So he's a, he's a bit of a badger himself. Um, and yeah, just sort of followed in his footsteps, really. So my first, um, I guess, memories were going down to watch him on a Saturday um, in the nets with, with obviously my best mate at the time. Um, and yeah, just sort of being around the club and just, yeah, couldn't really get enough of cricket at that age, I guess. And just sort of watching him um, and doing a little bit of coaching on the side. And then obviously started with the under nines quite an early age. I think I would have started playing around sort of five or six, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, just all the age groups through Pentur. And that's how I first started, really, yeah. Well, that is a lovely journey into the game. So very much family orientated, revolving around your dad in that case and just talking of your dad connor what is he what, what's your dad's name just so we can give him a bit of a, a shout uh, out on tonight's podcast Mar- martin martin brown martin brown shout yeah. out to martin brown every little helps doesn't it when it comes to a cricketing journey and obviously your dad has been a massive influence in that department and what's his role at penturk if you don't mind me actually asking um, so in his playing days, he was uh, an all-rounder, I guess, a bit more of a bowler, bat sort of uh, five or six. Uh, and now he just sort of does a little bit of coaching with, with the first team um, as and when, because he's, uh, he's actually a keen golfer now. So I hardly see him on the weekends. Uh, I'm usually playing and he's golfing on the Friday and Saturday. So, um, But yeah, he does it in his spare time and he, uh, yeah, he absolutely loves it in fairness to him. Well, that's great here. It really is yeah. the fact that the love, the passion... The desire for cricket is still very much burning bright in Martin's heart in 2023. And talking of those early days, the formative years, I suppose, Connor, did you always have your mind being set on being a batter, in particular a top-order batter? Or did you ever venture into the worlds of, of bowling or maybe even wicket-keeping? Um, no, so so my background's a bit of a varied one, actually. So 
Um, I was always uh, predominantly a scene bowler um, in my younger, younger days. So probably from the age of eight to 12 or 13. Um, whereas a scene bowler, that's where I sort of got picked up in the Wales age groups, um, bowling scene. Um, and then I, I remember sort of 13, 14, I had a bit of an injury to my foot. Um, and I remember speaking to uh, Graham Burgess, actually, who was a former Somerset player himself, very good cricketer and lo- lovely guy. Um, and this was down at Newport, uh, actually, and he just sort of said, oh, if you can't bowl um, seam, sort of why don't you give spin a go? Um, and I was actually, uh, yeah, I remember being or taking a couple of wickets in my first game for Wales, and that sort of stuck then. So from about 14 through to 17, 18, I was predominantly an off-spinner, um, and I was an off-spinner um, as on a member of the Glamorgan Academy at the time, uh, and then sort of made my first-class debut as an opening batter. So a bit of, yeah, very varied, uh, to say the least, and I don't really know how it happened, but um, yeah, I've done pretty much everything apart from wiki-keep. Yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, yeah, I've got. I probably wouldn't be any good at that. Who knows? Twenty twenty three or summer of two thousand twenty four, Connor. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Pick up the gloves, complete the set, <laughs> every single position in cricket. But I've got to be honest, I wasn't expecting that. Obviously, we do have some cases where people do start off as a seam bowler or a spinner. Mm. One of the most famous cases, of course, when it comes to off spin, would be Kevin Peterson when he used to mm. play in South Africa for Natal. Started off as an off spinner and then became one of England's greatest ever batsmen, yeah. but. It's not often you hear seam, spin, and then you become an opener. That is quite an unorthodox route. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't really um, know how how it happened, really. It just sort of, yeah, it just sort of happened, and that's what I fell into. Um, I've, I've always, you know, had an interest in batting, but at the time, I guess, um, my main role in the Welsh setup was sort of off-spinner. Um, and then, you know, on the staff, you know, you had the likes of... Andrew Salter, Kieran Bull, um, who are off spinners themselves, and I guess sort of coaches tried to steer me, um, whether that was saying your your off spin's no good or whether you could be a better batter than you are bowler, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so sort of fell into fell into sort of batting and like I said, made my made my debut as an opening batter. Goodness me, that really is quite interesting, isn't it? And <laughs> I say this all the time on the podcast, but it really is interesting how life works out sometimes. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, you know, it's no one could have predicted that, I guess. Um, but yeah, no. So done, like I said, just done, done everything. Don't really know how it happened. It just sort of happened over time. Um, and then just, yeah, just try to, I guess, keep on top of bowling and batting on the staff. But um, yeah, the more I sort of um, enjoyed batting, that's more sort of um, the skill that I worked on um, more uh, opposed to bowling, really. So, yeah. Well, that's completely understandable, isn't it? You go for the one which you enjoy the most. And obviously mm. in the years that followed, it's definitely paid off, as we shall discuss with a couple of your knocks for Glamorgan and the Welsh National Counties. But just going back to those formative years, we mentioned earlier your dad, Martin. Obviously, he was a massive influence. But given the fact that you weren't a batter in those early days, I would actually be quite interested to, to know your answer to this. But in those early years, who are you cricketing role models then? in the professional game, either in county cricket or indeed international cricket, did you have any icons, any idols, any influences per se that you tried to almost emulate in those early years? Uh, yeah, so interestingly, all my um, sort of idols were batters, really. Ricky Ponton stands out for one. Um, he was sort of my batting idol, along with like KP and Ian Bell for different reasons. Obviously, Ian Bell was very pleasing play on the iron and KP was just dominant um, and quite enjoyed to, you know, he really enjoyed watching that as well. So, um, yeah, 
bowling sort of, you know, Ashwin, Lion, uh, Graham Swan at the time as well. Uh, enjoyed watching him. But yeah, probably more um, enjoyed watching batters and they were sort of my idols. Um, and then modern day, probably, yeah, your Coley, Williamson, Root, um, Smith, um, even Marnus, who I got the chance to play with at Glamorgan and watch him grow as well. So those sorts of players recently, but back, yeah, back in the day, sort of KP Bell and uh, Ponting really stood out for me, yeah. Well, to be honest, Connor, I cannot disagree with any of those guys as mm. idols or influences. And talking of those three, I always follow this up when I hear some choices like that. But Ricky Ponting, second all-time leading test run scorer in the history of the game. Mm. So obviously a legend over in Australia. you got Kevin Peterson, again, one of England's greatest ever batters across formats. And then a certain Ian Bell from my county of Warwickshire, in my opinion, the proponents of the greatest cover drive in the history of the game. Watching him bat was like watching Michelangelo paint the Sistine Chapel. It was just so perfect <laughs> to watch that man in the middle. He really was an artist who made cricket his own when he was out in the middle at the mm. crease. But what I'd ask you, Connor, is if you had an opportunity to have a net session or indeed a podcast, let's say an hour-long podcast or conversation, with one of those three guys, Ricky Ponting, Ian Bell, or Kevin Peterson, who do you want to have that conversation with, and why? Um, that's, yeah, it's a decent question. Uh, I think one stands out, and that would probably be Ponting. Um, and I think, I don't, uh, you know, firstly, I probably thought he's a, a very good captain, um, well, exceptional captain. Right now, probably his record would speak for himself. Um, and yeah, just a. I don't know, even even just chat to him, he seems like a reasonable bloke as well. Um, uh, I've never met him, um, but in terms of Bell, I've been on the you know the receiving end of many of his hundreds. Um, I think against Glamorgan, he was like 500 not out in a season, which was ridiculous. So um, yeah, that lives long in the memory. Um, and yes, yeah, yeah, out of those three, probably Ponting. Fair enough. That is a nice choice, and obviously Ricky Ponting, not just a tremendously successful cricketer a captain, but now a coach as well. His cricket brain really is off the charts, isn't it? And in commentary as well, I used to notice this with Ricky Ponting. He, he had this real gift and ability to almost sniff out a wicket before it happened. Like He almost had a sixth sense. It was quite remarkable. So, yeah, Ricky Ponting, punter, as he was known in Australia, or as we knew him after the Ashes, the Tasmanian <coughs> devil, depending on, on who you ask. Great shout there, and obviously one of the greatest to ever grace the game of crickets but talking specifically then of county cricket then connor you alluded to glamorgan earlier but what were your first kind of dealings with county cricket in maybe a playing or even a watching capacity what were your first memories of, of county cricket in this country um yeah it probably would be uh, not so much uh red ball cricket it was definitely t20s when it was first kicking off sort of the 2004 2005 time off the top of my head um and sort of remembering going down to Sophia Gardens um, again with my dad just to watch um, Glamorgan play. Um, at the time, it was sort of, um, I'm trying to think now, it was, you know, I remember Gillespie was there one year, um, Jamie Dalrymple, if that rings a bell, he was there. Um, so obviously taking it back um, a long way, but sort of those guys just stick in my head. I don't know why. But um, yeah, so, so watching the T20s with my dad and sort of being following Glamorgan sort of ever since and was um yeah that's sort of how I started watching them for sure. 
Well, again, that is a lovely route into county cricket. And you mentioned Glamorgan. They've had some outstanding overseas players over the years as well. I think in recent years, Dale Stane just comes to mind. Colin Ingram, Kingram, as he's known in South Wales. He's been a store, hasn't he, for the Welsh county. I would ask this question, Connor. This might be a very difficult question to answer, actually. But in terms of your experiences as a Glamorgan fan, and of course, as a player as well, who do you say is your favourite all-time Glamorgan player? Oh, um, <clears throat> yeah, that is a good question, actually. Um, there's been, yeah, there's been a lot, uh, and I've fortunate, well, fortunate enough to play with um, a couple. Um, certainly, you would look at the overseas players that I played with. Um, sort of Usman and Manus were right up there in terms of obviously world class players, and to even obviously step on a path with them. Um, you know, the age of 20 or 20, 21 or however old I was, was a bit surreal at the time, if I'm honest. Um, and even even batting with a pair of them was just, yeah, you're sort of down the other end, just watching them and being like, right, okay, see if I can do anything as half as good as that or just, um, yeah, so that was fun. But, um, yeah, for me, just the way, um, yeah, Colin Ingram was, um, especially when I started playing um, sort of list day cricket, just in the season after I made my first class debut, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with him at the crease and he was, you know, a big influence in terms of just watching him go about his game because it was completely different to mine, in all honesty. Like, he would um, straight away take the take the attack to the bowlers, right, sort of more of a accumulation and um, and hopefully get a big one at the end of it. But, yeah, he'd just been down the other end and watching him hit, like, monstrous sixes and how chilled out he was. And um, But, yeah, so learn a few things off him. But, yeah, he would be... He'd be right up there for me in terms of one of the best players that I've played with, Zach Morgan. Well, I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. Colin Ingram, he has just been a stalwart, hasn't he? For Glamorgan, mm. you can think of so many times that he's either saved matches or single-handedly won matches for the Welsh County. And he has just signed a new extension. So good news, Glamorgan fans. He will be there for the foreseeable future. Plenty more opportunities to watch Kingram do his thing at Sapphire Gardens for the next few seasons. But... Before we discuss Glamorgan in a bit more detail, actually, Connor, and we discuss your experiences in county cricket as we know it, you didn't actually make your first-class debut for Glamorgan. You made it for Cardiff MCCU. So, first and foremost, how did that opportunity present itself with the MCCU scheme? Um, and it was obviously something that I thought about um, when I went to uni in 2015, I think it was. Um yeah, 2015. Uh, and uh, obviously chatting to Mark O'Leary at the time, who was sort of the head of the MCCU and did a bit of lecturing at Cardiff Met. Um, and a lot of cricketers before me sort of chose that path, um, whether to study at Cardiff or Cardiff Metropolitan. And alongside that, then you would obviously train with the MCCU on a, like a full time training program. So it was effectively run like a professional outfit. You know, it, it was very good in that sense. You know, you get all your S&C and physios and um, training sessions all done three or four times a week um, and yeah you pretty much train like a like a county team without effectively having that contract um, so that that appealed to me um, obviously finishing school and going to university and uh, yeah so I was involved with the MCC MCCU rather for about three years um, and yeah just sort of made my made my first class debut in my second year I think it was um, so yeah no lo- loved my three years it was uh, very good Wonderful. Again, that is really good to hear. And we've had a lot of cricketers on the podcast who have been through that MCCU pathway. So quite clearly, it does work. And the other important thing is that enjoyment factor, isn't it, as well? It's the fact that you do get that taste, that almost sample of what it's like to be a first-class cricketer. But, you know, 
you're not quite in the in the county setup just yet. I think it's quite a nice, almost, well, as I said, a, a sample or starter, a nice mm. a nice way to ease yourself into the county game without having the additional pressures of, of being a professional. And talking of that first class debut, then, funnily enough, that was against your home county of Glamorgan in 2017. So, what can you remember from that game at Sapphire Gardens? Um, yeah, sort of. Uh, at, at the time, I was saying I was just um, well. I'd obviously finished off the academy for about a year, a year and a half, and I still had ties to Glamorgan. You know, we we at the MCC, we'd obviously use the Fire Gardens as sort of the main training base where we do all of our winter nets and and sort of pre-season training. So even just seeing the guys and coaches, and I was still involved uh, in the second eleven at the time as well. So um, knew everyone, uh, and then obviously when we were uh, playing Glamorgan, it was yeah for me it was it was nice to sort of showcase my skills without being contracted and yeah I just thought it was a good opportunity to sort of um yeah just to let sort of the coaches just know what I'm about and but you know if I score runs then great because it looks it looks good as well obviously being young and, and, and Welsh um, which obviously helps uh, at Glamorgan so yeah no I just thought it was a, as a good opportunity just to go out there and showcase sort of what I'm about um but yeah they, they did those games for about um yeah years before me I think obviously I'm not sure whether they still do them or whether the MCC play Glamorgan, but no, yeah, just saw it as a as a good opportunity and uh, yeah, sort of worked out worked out okay in the end. Well, it most certainly did, as we'll discuss in a minute, where we talk about that moment where you were contracted as a Glamorgan professional. But in terms of that debut, can you actually remember your score from that particular game? Um, yeah, I got my badger head on there. Uh, it was. It wasn't very many. It was probably in between 35 and 40. And I'm going to say it was 39. You're not that far off, actually. Oh, I'm wrong. A little bit high. It's 33, but you say not that many. I would Ooh. take 33 on first-class debut. My best score in, in league cricket is 11 not out. So 33 <laughs> for some people might be a bit low for others. I mean, yeah. that'd be my triple, my best score. And that's in a first class yeah. arena I th- as well. I thought, yeah, I thought it was those, but yeah, no, yeah, I suppose, you know, just to get, um, you know, not to get a first ball and get off the mark really. <laughs> it was, was, it was a bonus at the time. And then, um, yeah, obviously probably shame not to go on a few more, but I guess just even getting a taste of first class cricket, albeit playing against Glamorgan was, was the main thing. And, uh, sort of gave me an initial taste of what it's about. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, if you can score sort of runs against um, those bowlers, you know, it gives you a little bit of sort of confidence that you can do this sort of full time in, in the long run. So um, yeah, it was a good good opportunity. Um, and obviously probably learn, learn a little bit off that game as well. Well, talking of those learnings, actually, before we discuss Glamorgan, what do you say was your biggest takeaway from your time in that MCCU scheme from both the cricketing and I suppose a personal perspective, um, what were your biggest takeaways from that time? Yeah, probably, you know, I, like I said, it, it sort of prepares you for um, first class cricket in general. And it sort of teaches you a couple of lessons of um, professionalism and sort of what you need to do in order to succeed. And um, I guess it's probably the easiest transition that you can do from, um, you know, going from that program to a professional outfit because it's not too dissimilar. Uh, maybe the skills and obviously the skills of certain players, batsmen and the bowlers may change. But um, yeah, it sort of teaches you, um, obviously, number one, to be fit. Um, number two, are not, and you know, it gives you a great opportunity to work on your skills. Um, and I think it puts you in the best shop window to then go on and sign uh, a contract should a county sort of see see a bit um, 
of talent in you, I guess. But yeah, it, def it definitely probably the best preparation that I've had in terms of moving um, <clears throat> into first class cricket. Yeah, we we get that quite often on the podcast, to be honest. Uh, I think you've actually summarised it quite well there. It's the fact that you put yourself in that shop window and you do make yourself available on that county's radar. And it wasn't that long, actually, after that first-class debut for Cardiff MCCU that you signed your first contract for Glamorgan County Cricket Club. So when did you find out about that opportunity? Yeah, I remember that quite quite well, actually. So we, I, I think... It was the following year that we, um, Cardiff NCCU, toured Barbados um, on a pre-season tour. And there are a couple of counties out there, sort of not, uh, not throughout there, North Ants, uh, Durham MCCU. So it was, a bit, it was a bit like a round-robin tournament between them. And we also played a couple of local teams or county teams out there as well. So, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed, uh, enjoyed that tour as well. And I think one of the last games, I think we played uh, Knots in a, in a T20 um and uh Hugh Morris who's obviously the CEO at Glamorgan just sort of when I finished the game just sort of seen a message and didn't know who it was from um and I guess that's how it, how it started really it's quite happened really really quick um but I guess that tour went you know went my way and uh from there just sort of signed signed with the county goodness me that is quite a, a quick turnaround then and, and mm. quite an abrupt way of finding out that you are going to play for Glamorgan County Cricket Club but when you did see that message when you received that what were the emotions like? What was going through your head? The fact that I suppose a, a childhood dream had been realised, not just representing any county either. You're representing Wales's county. You're representing Glamorgan County Cricket Club. How proud of a moment was that for you to finally gain that contract, Connor? Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it was, <clears throat> well, the icing on the cake after that tour. Um, but yeah, sort of. Around the time, sort of leading up to, it, I was I was feeling you know really good um, within my game. You know, I, I was playing really well, um, and you, you sort of yeah, you try and get in a mindset where you you know you try and expect a contract or you try and um, you know trying to think positively positively if that makes sense. So um, you know that would be the end goal, uh, and you work towards that in in any way that you can. And yeah, I, I just remember sort of you know feeling feeling well at that time, sort of hitting the ball nice, um, still bowling as well at that time. Um, and yeah, just sort of see, seen, seen the message and just thought, oh, well, that's sort of, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I can't really remember what I thought. Um, maybe not a lot until I got home. Um, but yeah, no, certainly sitting, sitting down with him and, uh, and it sort of hit me uh, maybe a week or two after um, that he's sort of a, technically a fully signed professional. So yeah, that, that was obviously a childhood dream. And then, and then obviously, uh, kicking on after that as well so yeah no it was uh, def yeah a good experience <laughs> yeah. it most certainly is we get that a lot on the podcast when you do find out about that first contract you do get incredibly excited because it is that realization of the dream and it's one that not many people actually get to live out even if it's for one or two or three years in county <clears throat> cricket to have had that opportunity to play for any club but in particular your home county yeah it is something which has to be treasured i think not just for the for the here and now, but also for the rest of your life, that can never, ever be taken away from you. And another mm. moment in any cricketer's journey, which can never be taken away, is, of course, your debut in county cricket. So, Connor, again, I have to ask, what can you remember from stepping out onto that field for the very first time on home soil at Sophia Gardens and representing Glamorgan County Cricket Club in the county championship? Yeah, no, I I can. Um, 
I <clears throat> so I think the week or so before um, uh, we had a second team game at uh, Belper Meadows, which is in Derby, uh, and it's, it's pretty much yeah, miles away from Cardiff. Uh, and I was meant to make my debut uh, at the stadium that week. Um, so I remember sort of driving up to Derby, and I stopped in a in a services service station in Birmingham. Uh, where I got the call saying, "Oh, you might need to go back home. You know, you know, you might be making your debut tomorrow." So I was like, "Right, okay." So I was with one of the boys at the time, so I sort of had to dump him off at the at the services and wait for someone to come back and pick him up, and then I had to go back down to Cardiff. Um, and then I woke up obviously that morning, um, just completely obviously buzzing that I could potentially uh, play. Um, and I think I came down because Dave Lloyd. I got a text off that when the physio was saying Dave Lloyd has sort of done his hamstring or he might not be fit for the game. So. Um, anyway, I got to the stadium, started warming up with all the team, and then obviously Rob Croft, who was the, who was the coach at the time, sort of said, "Oh, you know, um, oh, before that, actually, I actually noticed Lloyd. He was obviously off a full run up in the warm ups. His bowling is normal, so I'm thinking, right, okay, well, he, he looks fine. Sort of, I just travelled all this way, and then, and then, and then uh, Crofty's in the corner of my eye, just sort of looking at me, and then calls me over and said, "Yeah, look, he's obviously passed his fitness test." Uh, is kick off at Derby at eleven. You got to get back up there and, and you got to play. I was like, right, okay. So that so that morning, I just sort of packed the car, uh, packed all my kit up, and sort of left Cardiff. And and uh, I think I would have got to Derby around one or two o'clock, which is slightly later than what I told the coaches. So I remember then not being not being happy. But yeah, that was a pretty pretty lonely journey after Derby then as well. So uh, so that was the week before I was meant to, or t- a couple of weeks before I was meant to make my debut. Uh, uh, yeah, which is interesting to say the least. Yeah, it is. I've got to be completely honest, Connor. I wasn't expecting that. That is an absolute yeah. faff and a half, isn't it? You think yeah, you're going to make was, your first class yeah. debut for your home county. You get all the way <laughs> yeah. down from Birmingham to Cardiff, and then you turn back up, all the way back up to Derby. Goodness me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I remember... That's harsh, yeah, that. I remember, I remember speaking to... Uh, Owen uh, Morgan used to play at Glen Morgan as well. I remember being on the phone to him and sort of said, oh, you know, I, I could make my debut. And I sort of said, uh, go well this week. Um, and he said, yeah, likewise, mate, if you play, just enjoy it. I was like, yeah, cool. And then obviously phoned him up in the morning. I said, yeah, see you in a few hours, Morgan. I'm on my way, on my way back up to Derby. So, um, yeah, so that, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess that's part and parcel of it. You know, you, you know, um, if you've been around the first team, you tend to sort of do that a lot. Travel with the team, you never know. Sort of, um, especially starting out, where, where you're gonna sort of stand, where they're gonna play, or where they're gonna carry drinks and stuff. But yeah, part and parcel of it. Uh, and then um, yeah, so in, in terms of the debut, then I um, it was taught, I think it was the second but last game of the year at Sapphire Gardens against Gloucester. Um, but I think all the excitement had run out sort of a few weeks prior to it. So on the morning of my first class debut, I was actually relatively calm, to be honest. And um, yeah, just sort of just enjoyed enjoyed the moment. It was a nice sunny day from what I from what I gather and or remember. Um, and yeah, just did just really in, enjoyed the game, really. Well, again, it's a very interesting way to make your first class debut, but tremendously special <coughs> nonetheless. And obviously, you know what they say, good things come to those who wait. So Mm. You know, silver linings on that cloud, I suppose, after that interesting <laughs> journey <laughs> yeah. up to and, yeah. and back to Derby. But again, from that day and from that game, I suppose, actually, it was a county championship match. So obviously multi-day cricket. What can you remember in terms of your scores, in terms of any key moments? And I know you said there that you weren't very nervous. But again, were there any emotions going through your head when you stepped out onto that field for the first time? 
Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, I guess it was obviously a proud moment for for anyone making their making their first class debut. But um, yeah, I just remember being really calm, collected, and thought, you know, it's it's the right time, and just that felt really comfortable where my game was at, and to sort of back myself to go out there and um, and just yeah, just try and try and do my best really. But yeah, sunny day, Cardiff. There was actually a a decent uh, well, I say a decent crowd. There's a fair few um, more, I guess, because of the sunny weather. Um, and uh yeah i was sort of opening opening the bat with uh with sellers nick salmon at the time um and yeah don't yeah i just remember just sort of yeah being being really relaxed uh and then obviously i think i i remember my score actually on my debut i think i got 30 35 on my debut if i'm right yeah uh and then i got um yeah, after I got shinned by uh, Kieran Nima Barnett, who was a sort of a medium medium pacer from from Gloucester. I think he was overseas, not an overseas, or he may have been overseas for for a few years for them. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I remember. Well, I'll tell you what, Connor, I'm very impressed there. Actually, spot on thirty five from thirty seven balls, which included eight boundaries. And yeah, spot on about the man who dismissed you, Kieran Nima yeah. Barnett, who, yeah, who he, he uh, was there overseas. Actually, he was from New Zealand, so you yeah, were right there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I remember that, and um, yeah, probably to this day, I, I don't think I've hit a cricket ball better than what I did on my debut. Um, and it probably says says a lot, nearly going at a run a ball. And I guess half of that was probably the adrenaline. Um, played a you know played a couple of shots that I couldn't, but got away with it because obviously the the heart's pumping and you sort of um, yeah just enjoying the moment really. So um, yeah, I look back on that actually and sort of um, that was a pretty good moment for me to to really kick on. Albeit it was your debut and you know you don't really get you don't think how many hundreds there are on a debut. Uh, but certainly the way that I was feeling, um, you know I I you know just a bit gutted that I I missed a straight one really. But yeah, felt felt good on the day and felt as if I could go on and get a big one. But um, yeah, or you know you can't uh, can't do everything. Well, you can't, and I do mention this a lot, but you're lucky, actually, in your debut. First and foremost, you did score runs. It's not like you got a pair, for example. That would have been an absolute nightmare. You did get scores of 35 and 13 in the second innings. But the other thing which you can be quite proud of is the fact that you didn't lose on your debut, because we have had that a lot on the podcast. And again, that must be quite gutting to have worked all that way into county cricket, and then you get hammered on your first yeah. class or list A or T20 debut. So... Again, I think that's a debut to be proud of. And talking of, of proud moments, I suppose, Connor, would you say that that debut was your proudest moments from your time at Glamorgan or did another particular game or an innings? Um, I can definitely think of a couple, maybe surmount that in the years that followed. Yeah, no, in terms of the, yeah, in terms of the moment, it probably, you know, was right up there. I guess, you know, it, it sticks in the memory that, you know, you made a debut and you probably never, never forget that. Um, but it's, yeah, Probably one of the one of the better wins we had was actually in the following game. Um, so I think there were two games left in that season. Obviously, the first one was my debut, and the second one we played Kent at Canterbury away. Um, and that was I always remember that because that was Mike Hogan's 500th first-class wicket, I believe. Um, and we came back uh, to win that game. Uh, and then yeah, I just remember sitting on the sitting on the outfield. With a with a few beers and that that concluded the whole season. Um, so that sticks out, I guess. Obviously, winning within your first sort of two games because um, you know you never won with a team before, and that felt that felt really really good. Um, so that sticks out as well, certainly in in, in the Red Bull stuff. Um, but yeah, probably probably those two. Two very very nice memories indeed. Your first class debut 
and your maiden first class win, I can definitely see why those two moments would be up there. But in terms of innings, have you got any particular innings, any particular games which I suppose stand out from an individual perspective, per se? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. It, yes and no. Probably the, the 98 against Surrey uh, at the Oval would stick out in terms of, you know, you just two away from from your maiden list 800. Um, yeah, and that, that would have been obviously nice to get two more. You know, that would have that would have meant a bit. Um but yeah, it's more so the occasion, if I'm honest. Like the, because uh, I think Coley was meant to play for Surrey on that day, so the crowd for even a day-night game, a uh, 50-over game, was I can't remember how many people were there. It was a, maybe a few thousand. Um, but any time you play at the Oval, and I was fortunate enough to play on that day, is is incredible. Like the atmosphere, um, and that get you know, it's impossible not to have any adrenaline when you play at the Oval. So um, yeah, that that day and the occasion, you know, although we you know we got beat quite convincingly. Um, it's sort of my first taste of, you know, playing in a, you know, with a really big crowd. Um, and that, that was a test in itself, obviously batting and fielding and um, just sort of trying to block everything out and really focus on your game. Um, that was, yeah, that was a, that was a, a decent day for, for in terms of experience and development, I guess. Yeah. Well, it most certainly was. And I'm really glad that you have actually brought that game up because in terms of the start of the game itself, Glamorgan were two for none. So mm. both Nick Selman and Anaira Donald departed for Ducks. So right away, you're in all sorts of bother. You come in at number three, and right from the off, you've got to anchor the innings. You've mm. got no other choice. You can't just go out there, tee off, and you know, try and get a, a quick ball 20 or something like that. In that situation, that simply wouldn't have sufficed in that mm. game day scenario. So in terms of that game, actually, Connor, how did you set about that innings? Because it was a very patient innings, 98 from 136 balls, nine fours and a six thrown in there for good measure. But in terms of the mentality, how did you approach that innings from a psychological perspective? Did you change your your approach per se as that innings actually transpired? Um, yeah, obviously being two for nothing against um, you know, a very strong Surrey team. Um, and yeah, no, I just sort of... Um, just try to <laughs> a knock it out and make it three for none. Uh, but just yeah, just sort of you know it goes back to the old saying: the longer you go out there, the easier it gets. Um, so I just tried to stick around and trying to formulate a partnership, which we which I did with Colin at the start. Um, you know he got off. I think he must have got thirty or forty odd, um, and that sort of eased and you sort of opened up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I guess wickets sort of um, never stopped falling at, at probably the wrong times. So we sort of halted me uh, going a little bit bigger but yeah I just sort of trying to be the mainstay of the innings I guess um, and yeah just sort of open, open my arms a bit towards the end and uh, fought, uh, unfortunately fell fell too short in, in the last over um, but yeah no yeah in terms of the occasion yeah that was that was right up there for me. Well I can certainly imagine that it wasn't that really is an excellent effort it, it really is you batted pretty much for the entire 50 overs of that innings as well. You came in in the first over after Selman got dismissed and, as you mentioned there, dismissed by a certain Ricky Clark, formerly of my county of Warwickshire, mm. and, of course, Surrey and Derbyshire. He dismissed you in the 50th and final over of the innings, but that is some effort. It really is. 98 from 136 balls coming in at three after that terrible start. I think that's definitely an innings that you can be proud of, mate. It, it really is. I know that, obviously, it's gutting in hindsight. You were two runs away from that century, but... Regardless, that really is a top, top quality knock in that mm. situation. 
But aside from the the proud moments, I suppose, Connor, because we've spoken there about the the best individual performances and, of course, the proudest moments from your time at your home county of Glamorgan, cricket, unfortunately, isn't that simple, is it? It's a game of tremendous ups, but also tremendous downs. It's a roller coaster. It's a wave, per se. There's peaks and troughs, and every single cricketer undergoes those peaks and troughs. But as an opener, and as a top-order option in particular, I feel like you do undergo those peaks and troughs at almost an accelerated rate in comparison to other batting positions. There's so much pressure and so much value on your wicket, in particular in the first-class game. So aside from the, the proud moments, what do you say were the, the most difficult? What were the toughest moments from your time in South Wales? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, there's... I think it's important to realise in cricket, you know, there's a lot more downs than that, surely. Um, but, you know, when when you are up, you have to really make the most of them uh, and make them count. Um, so in a batting sense, you know, if you're in on a flat one and you're feeling really good, then you have to make that count. You have to go on and get a really big score because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, you're going to fail a lot more than you succeed. Um, and, yeah, I get, you know, it, to try and get used to that and to try and understand that um, took a bit of time, I guess. Um but yeah, certainly just trying to deal with deal with the failures from a young age, and and you know you then you look for changes in in technique and you look for advice. But um, you know one thing I look back on is you know just trusting trusting my game, trusting my technique, um, and at times just figuring out ways to score runs um, and figuring out ways just to stay there. But um, yeah, and certainly you know dealing with sort of contract pressure i guess you know being in a in the last year of a of a contract at you know at a young age um when you when you're an open and batter on green seamers early season and some turning pitches towards the back end can be difficult um but you know i felt i could do that a little bit better as sort of time went on um but yeah no it, it, it there's obviously so much pressure that comes with it um and yeah <laughs> you know there's not one real standout moment but it's you know learning learning from failure and learning how to deal with that was probably um, the most important thing that I take away. Um, because weirdly now, I probably would feel in a in a better position uh, and sort of, in terms of my game, being out, out of that environment. And of course, that's easy to say because oh, when you're not in it, you don't have a contract. So, you know, how can you say that? Um, but yeah, no, you know, whether that's maturity or whether that's sort of knowing my own game a little bit better. Um, but yeah, no, you, you obviously look back with with some good memories, but I understand that it obviously it, it can be very difficult. So it's just learning out the or figuring out the best ways in order to to deal with those pressures. It most certainly is, and I think that is fantastic advice for any young cricketer out there about the learning process. And I found it so so interesting you mentioned there that you are going to fail a lot more times than you succeed because we've discussed this at length here on the podcast. It's a harsh reality. But it is the truth, in particular for openers. In particular for openers, if you look at the best openers on the planet, they're probably getting low scores in seven, in some cases even eight scores out of ten. They're getting below ten or twenty runs. Right, it's only those those two out of ten or three out of ten in elite openers where they're cashing in with big centuries or double hundreds where we see them at their best. Other than that, you don't remember them for the innings where they get out for low scores, and yet they happen a lot more often than those big centuries and those big scores. And you mentioned their failure. And failure is an interesting concept, not just in cricket, but in life in general, isn't it? It does hold us back at times. So, Connor, I wanted to ask, actually, having seen those experiences 
in retrospect with a different perspective now as you've grown and matured as both a person and, of course, a cricketer? How would you advise that people overcome the fear of failure? I know that's a very profound question, but how would you advise people to overcome that fear and maybe just, you know, attack the game in their natural manner? Yeah, no, it it's it is a difficult question to obviously answer because it it depends on the individual. You know, failure would affect others or someone more than others, and others could deal with it. But for me personally, I guess it was about maturity, and you know, the more you fail, you sort of um, understand sort of the reasons why, perhaps, and you you know, the, but the best, yeah, the best thing is, or the best thing that I sort of did was try not to dwell on it and try not to think about it. You know, surround yourself with you know with with good people. Um, I don't think you know if in a period of bad form, hitting more balls is necessarily the answer. Um, it could be completely um, going away and just uh, and doing something, you know, going fishing or golfing or or something just to take your mind off it. Usually, that can be um, that can be the answer for me. I guess you know I've been guilty of um, <clears throat> I've been guilty of overtraining and you know tweaking my my technique because I've always had sort of a relatively solid technique and I've I've known that but um you know I guess you know I, I can sort of look back on and whether my sort of game plans and whether the way or how I wanted to score my runs um, was that as strong as it could be um possibly not but um yeah I just sort of look for potentially look for reasons that aren't there and those reasons are fine but you know the reasons for failure I, w- I wasn't really recognizing um but yeah no it's like different people deal with it in uh, differently, uh, but it's important just to sort of figure out what works for you, um, and un- understand that you know failure is a part of the game. Understand that you know, especially being a top order batter, it's okay. Um, you know, you can get good balls, and every time you get a good ball, my you know the best advice would probably just to be just take your pads off, take your kit off, and just watch watch the game. But I, you know, that's certainly something I don't do. I you know I'm in the change rooms for about ten or twenty minutes at times, and my my mates would probably agree. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's loads of ways of doing it. But like I said, at, at the start, you know, Ed, every time you are in and every time, you know, you're on a flat one and you think it's just like, right, OK, this is it. Then you you have to make that count because, you know, w- you know, when stats are brought up at the end of the year, you know, that can really sort of um, bring those bring those numbers up. Um, and, that can, and that can make that can make the difference of, you know, signing another contract or, or not. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, recognizing that and knowing when to capitalize. Um, but then at the same time, you know, if you get a good ball, you get a good ball, take your hat off, say, well, bold. But next time, then you've got to be ready for ball one again. Um, and really sort of simplifying everything, I'd say. Again, it's wonderful advice. And it goes back to a conversation, actually, that I had with Craig Miles. This was a lot earlier on the podcast. And I think this was some advice, actually, from Mark Robinson, who's now Warwickshire's head coach. But he said something along the lines of, make a bad day an OK day. An OK day, a good day and a good day, a great day. And I just think that was a fantastic perspective, a great outlook on life as a cricketer because you are going to have some really bad days in cricket and you are going to get down and you are going to go through some tremendously difficult times in particular as a top-order batter because, as you mentioned there, Connor, new ball, fresh bowlers, you're going to get some good deliveries. It's just part and parcel of the game. The fact is, sometimes it's going to be your day. At other times, it's going to be the bowler's day. But it's all about riding that wave. It's all about maintaining that even keel. And that is something which you learn as you develop as a cricketer and, of course, as a human being. And the other important thing which I think you mentioned there, actually, is that your failures don't define you. And one of the greatest stats I think I've ever seen in the game of crickets revolves around Rahul Dravid. Now, in Indian cricket, 
No other cricketer in Test cricket history has more ducks than Rahul Dravid. And yet he's the fourth leading all-time test run scorer, India's second behind Sachin Tendulkar. And what was his nickname? What do you remember him as? The Wall. So he certainly wasn't defined by his failures. So I think that's a great takeaway for any young openers out there. Don't let that intimidate you. Yes, you are going to fail at times. You're going to get some low scores, but just think there might be a flat one around the corner. Cash in, score that 100, 150, 200. And who knows? Life has a very, very funny way of working things out. But Connor, before we then move on to our conversation about your time in the Welsh National Counties and we take a look ahead to your future in cricket, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the end at Glamorgan, if I could, because obviously it's a tremendously difficult time in any cricketer's life when they don't get that contract extended and you do have to almost look at those alternative pathways in life, maybe inside of cricket or indeed outside of cricket. So First and foremost, when did you find out that your contract at Glamorgan wasn't going to be extended? Um, yeah, it's it in the it, obviously the unfortunately it was in a year of of COVID where sort of minimal minimal cricket was played, um, and I think it would have been around sort of July or August time. I was sort of one of the one of the earlier ones, um, and yeah, you know that year where no no cricket was where no cricket was played. Um, you know, if you weren't in the ones. At that time, it was incredibly difficult for them to try and force your way into um, into into the ones. So, um, yeah, didn't really play any cricket apart from going back to my home club, Penturk, um, where, where I did okay. Just played a few friendlies, sort of three or four games during during the summer of 2020. Um, but yeah, you know, in the back of your mind, you're sort of saying, right, okay, you're quite in a vulnerable position, having not played. You know, you didn't have a way of sort of any evidence on the table to be like okay I deserve another contract it was purely you know what they think <clears throat> and sort of what their what their demand was at the time um, and you know there were a couple of you know talented batters there um, I knew there's a lot of competition sort of in the back of your mind I guess you know you're young you're Welsh maybe they'll, they'll have faith in me and you know when when Covid sort of ends and the season's back up and running I can sort of fight for my fight for my spot um, but no you know it's like I said it's part and parcel of sort of professional sport it's very cutthroat it's very ruthless so you, you have to sort of have uh, uh, you know a broader outlook on things um and yeah you know it it's it didn't really sink in until sort of a week or two weeks after um where i thought okay that's sort of that's that um but uh no like i like i said you know as long as you sort of surround yourself with, with good people and martin cropper from the uh from the pca who was sort of the, the welfare manager and the, and the guy to speak to um he's incredibly helpful as well so um you know he helped me a lot not not just myself probably other pros that got released that year um but yeah he sort of sort of helps you out and perhaps what you want to think about doing outside of cricket um it's not to say that you know that's what you're going to go into um because you're trying obviously if you know when the next year rolls around if you want to fight for another contract then you can do that as well but uh no it was just nice to nice to speak to someone that was you know sort of out of that setup and had a neutral sort of outlook on it um and yeah no it, you know it, it happened very quickly um you know a few of my mates got released at the same year so um yeah slightly sort of difficult month i guess but uh, you know it's the quicker like i said the quicker you can get back up and running and the quicker you can pick yourself up 
Um, and like I said, these things happen. And um, I was chatting to, yeah, at the time in, in just that, about a month or two after, I was chatting to obviously Colin Ingram um, and he got released very early on as a youth cricketer. So even speaking to him about sort of how he dealt with it and, you know, the things to do. Um, and he just he just kept on going about belief. And, you know, if you believe in yourself and the coaches believe in you, then, you know, and you, and you have the desire to do it, then you can then you can then you can uh, make anything happen. So, um, yeah, just trying to remain positive after that, surely. Um, but uh, yeah, no, a, a difficult time. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's part and parcel uh, of, of sport, I guess. Well, it is. And again, it's an unfortunate truth and an unfortunate reality, but professional sports is tremendously cutthroat. And obviously in that season, it was even more pronounced, wasn't it? Because obviously Mm. budget restraints at all of the counties, every single one of the 18 first class counties suffered tremendously (coughs) in terms of a, a financial perspective during that COVID season. And more professionals were axed as a result of that. But you mentioned the the resilience required after your contract was was cut short at Glamorgan and the way that you bounced back and you you got back to, to normal life, I suppose, after that difficult month. What kind of inspired you and what motivated you during those times, Connor, to come um, back and almost get back yeah. into cricket for the Welsh National Counties? <clears throat> well, yeah, you know, for, for me, it was, you know, as soon as that happened, I pretty much adopted the attitude of, right, okay, I'm going to go go away, get better, improve my game, hopefully prove you wrong in, in, in the best possible way. Um, and yeah, I, I pretty much got, you know, working hard um, in the winter then. So um, I did some work with, um, well, quite a lot of work with Toby Radford at the time, who was an excellent Morgan coach himself. Um, and, you know, we got along really, really well. And he sort of um, helped my game evolve, or I feel. Um, and yeah, I just sort of really worked hard on both my fitness and, and my game throughout the winter. But obviously everything was individualized then so you, you weren't back training um you weren't back with the team you were back with your mates you know you're just by yourself in the indoor school on a one-to-one basis so um you know everything was down to you and um that that yeah i guess that took a bit of bit of time getting used to not sort of training with the other boys not really having that professional help from the snc side and the physio side and stuff so yeah you have to, you have to just do everything by yourself which was fine and something i got used to very quickly um and that year in 2021 i you know i i sort of um, put a few feelers out there and, and was really happy to trial and um, go anywhere really uh, just as long as I as I got the you know got the call up from whoever was interested um, but they, even even then you know there were COVID bubbles and certain restrictions that so a lot of counties were picking sort of local players and academy players uh, to try and stop obviously the spread of, uh, of COVID um, but I was fortunate to play a couple of games um, for you know, I think I played for Knotts and Derby in sort of white ball and red ball games, which is good to even uh, play for play for different teams just to see how they uh, they operate as well. So um, and yeah, just played Wales uh, full time throughout that season as well and did did really really well. It's probably one of my best years I've had. Um, you know, the year after I get released. Um, but again, you know, it, you know, nothing came off the back of that in terms of contracts, which is again not disappointing because I didn't play that much. Um, I played sort of here and there. Um, but you know, in, in terms of the results and, and, and the runs, you know, it, it was certainly there. So it showed that I was going in the right direction. It certainly did. And, and talking of one of those particular performances and one of those memorable games from 2021 for the Welsh National Counties, we have to talk about the showcase game because this was very, very interesting. Between the Welsh National Counties and Glamorgan at Sapphire Gardens, because Wales National Counties actually won 
by three wickets. And obviously now, in hindsight, we know what happened with Glamorgan. They went on to win the Royal London One Day Cup after that. They they won their first game against my county of Warwickshire and the rest is history at Trent Bridge. But in terms of that game, what can you recall from that particular day in South Wales? Because that's your former team. Obviously, the, the Welsh National Counties had some of your, your former and now current teammates in that setup as well. They were the likes of Sam Pierce, Tom Bevan. He's just got a contract at Glamorgan, former guest of TCCP, Steve Reingold. Shout out to Steve, great bloke. Lucas Carey, Andy Gorvin and Tegid Phillips were all in that starting eleven. But in terms of that game, what can you recall? And how special of a moment was that for you to come back to Glamorgan and almost prove that you've still got it in the locker? Yeah, no, that, that game... I sort of went in there with a bit of a point to prove. Um, yeah, I, I was very much looking forward to the game the whole year. Um, and that's what I was trying to set myself up for. And to be honest, I, I couldn't wait for it to come around. Um, not, you know, just to, it's always good playing against some old faces. But, you know, you did sort of really want to do well and, and, and prove to the coaching team that you still have it. And, um, and that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, the whole day was, you know, incredible. I don't think... Yeah, we tried to replicate it the year before, uh, the year later, sorry, and 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 lost. But uh, yeah, that year everything just seemed to, or that game rather, everything seemed to go our way. Um, and Lucas at the end finishing off, and uh, yeah, it was incredible. I, I don't know how many times a sort of a, a national counties team has beaten a first class team, but um, yeah, that would be right up there in terms of experience and maybe made things a little bit sweeter having having left the the year previously. Um, but uh, no, it was uh, it was very good. It most certainly was, and again, a tremendously special day for the Wales National Counties, as you said, getting that prize scalp of Glamorgan County Cricket Club. And in terms of your individual performance, again, Connor, very impressive. Can you remember the score that you got in that particular game? Um, ooh, uh, I remember how it got out. <laughs> and it was a shock, shocking ball off Cal. Um, pulled it straight to square leg and Alex Horton who doesn't field caught a blinder dive into his right with one hand catch um that's another story um I want to say 69 again very very close 67 from 99 seven right okay I knew there's a nine somewhere but no uh yeah I just remember um me me and Steve funny enough had a, had a decent little partnership and we sort of taken the taking the game away from them, and uh, I think it, oh, uh, one of the one of the worst runouts me and Steve had. Um, sorry, Steve, if you if, if you're listening, um, sort of shafted him a bit there, and he'll probably remember it as well. Um, and that sort of changed things a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, and they they yeah they sort of got back into the game with about five or six down, um, and then Lucas sort of came in because um, I think he was out of the team at, the, at that time as well so he was wanting to put in a really good performance to get into that Royal London team and uh, obviously he won the game for them and I think he played the whole competition and uh, was there at the end when they lifted trophies so yeah things worked out okay for him as well. They most certainly did and yeah Lucas had a very good game actually in that particular encounter also took three wickets in Glamorgan's innings as the home side were skittled out for 202 runs so a tremendously special day for the Welsh National Counties, you mentioned that partnership as well with Steve Reingold. 105 runs for the second wicket. Not bad. Steve scoring 44 and yourself scoring 67 in that match. Interestingly enough as well, the only half century scored in that match as well. So I wonder if anyone at Glamorgan you know, might have been keeping tabs on that during that game. But yeah, very, very good day for the Welsh National Counties. And obviously a tremendously special occasion for everybody involved. And 
Talking of the Welsh national counties then, Connor, before we, we look ahead to the future and wrap up today's episode of the podcast, would you say that's your proudest moments for the Wales national counties or have there been any other games, any particular performances? I know that this year in the national counties championship, you had a fantastic 133 against Cornwall down in Truro. Would that have topped it or would that showcase game in 2021 have been the cherry on top of yeah, your Welsh national no, counties cake so far? Yeah, no, certainly that game. Um uh, yeah, just and the and the fact you know the, we won um, against Glamorgan. Uh, I always remember at the start uh, our head coach Darren. Um, we sort of playing football in the warm ups, and he sort of said, "Look, don't don't shy away. Just go out there and, and play your game." Um, but uh, yeah, everything just seemed to sort of fall into place that day. Everyone um, bowled exceptionally well. Um, the batters came in, um, did a job. Um, partnerships, uh, both bowling and the batting side, sort of steered the game away from them. And um, yeah, when we were sort of about. Uh, two or three down, we thought, okay, we could perhaps do this, and uh, yeah, luckily we did. It was all all a bit of a blur, to be honest. But again, um, beers on the outfield and in the change rooms, and the coaches were uh, were very pleased. But no, that day was that day was great, in in, in all honesty. Um, but yeah, no, that that would be number one for sure. Yeah, I'm not surprised, given the occasion, given the well, obviously the history associated with that fixture as well. Getting the prize scalp of Glamorgan definitely would be up there. I wasn't surprised by that shouts at all to be honest mate but before we wrap up today's episode of the podcast then Connor and we say our final goodbyes for the recording I just did want to take a little bit of a look ahead to the future because right at the start of the podcast you mentioned about your work in recruiting and obviously outside of cricket that's something which you're very much focused on you're working in that full time now but I would be interested to know if you still think that a cricket career is on the horizon in the first class counties is that something which you're still actively pursuing because I mentioned that century against Cornwall in last year's National Counties Championship. You were the leading run scorer for the Welsh National Counties, 10th overall in the entire competition, with 355 runs at an average of 44.37. So there's still clearly a lot of talent in there, isn't there? Let's be honest, you're still in some good form. And you mentioned before the podcast, I'm not sure if it would have picked up, but you're actually injured during that season as well. Is a return or a possible return, or a comeback, I suppose, to county crickets on Connor Brown's horizon heading into 2023 and the years that follow? Um, yeah, like it's always, um, you know, you always think about it and you always sort of, um, yeah, you know, and, and to be to be honest, you know, working in recruitment puts it all into into perspective or any, any, any job outside of it, um, you know, and it sort of, you know, you can look back and be like, you know, that was uh, the ideal job, you sort of training, you know, you're back in the house 12-1 and you're playing a full-time um, and you look back and, and you, you know, of course you miss it. Um, but yeah, no, like if, you know, if there was a, a contract there, you know, that's something that I obviously would would still do. It's just, you know, things, obviously things have changed in, in the last sort of year or two um, with, with obviously work and, and, and commitments as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you know if, if the sort of fire is still burning and, you know, you're honest with yourself and, um, which I am, you know, you know, I'm not getting any younger and as a batter, it, it's, you know, it can be incredibly hard to, to obviously gain it, gain a contract. Um, even at 25, you know, it's probably considered not old, but, you know, like I said, you're not getting younger and, it, you know, to, to score the the volume of runs that's needed in order to spark any interest from counties is, is quite difficult. Um, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm obviously still, um, still love my cricket, still play as much as I can. Um, and I, yeah, I'll take whatever comes, but for me, it's obviously, um, just working, playing cricket on the side at the minute. Um, 
and that, and like I said, that may change. But I think you know, trialing and every every single season is incredibly tough for the people that have done it. Um, and for me, done it sort of year, year and a half. Um, it does wear you out a little bit because you you're more sort of um on yourself. You're there for yourself, uh, and you're trying to put in performances. Um, and basically every time you got to go out there, you got to you got to score runs every game. Um, and that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, no, I've I've really enjoyed sort of playing for playing for Wales, playing for Lansdowne. Um, and it's you know as you sort of work, um, or have a job outside of cricket, you definitely have a different perspective. You know the pressure starts to go away, and you start to enjoy it for what it is. Um, and it feels a lot more of like a hobby, if that makes sense. It's uh, you know for anyone that's done it, it probably would agree. But um, yeah, no, still still love my cricket. That hasn't changed. Um, and yeah, you know we'll we'll see what the we'll see what the future holds. But uh, yeah, I'll just focus focus on cricket, focus on uh, putting in performances for for my club and uh, country really. And uh, yeah, see see what happens in, in the near future. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely still uh, still uh, still love my cricket. Well, Connor, it goes without saying, but obviously myself and everybody associated with the Counter Cricket Podcast are wishing you all the very best of luck in that cricketing dream. You never know. Life works out so strange sometimes, doesn't it? You never know what's around the corner. One big season for the Welsh National Counties and one of the counties could be snapping you up. We could be talking in one, two, three years' time and you could have another county stint. Who knows? Life's funny. Fingers crossed things work out for you and that you can be be fit for the entirety of the 2023 season as well. Give yourself the best possible opportunity of, of relighting that fire in county cricket. And obviously, wish you all the best of luck with the recruitment as well. I think that's an important thing, actually. We haven't quite touched upon that too much in tonight's episode, but it is important to have a backup, isn't it? When it comes to crickets, having that route B, having that backup option, and obviously you're doing well in that as well. So that's also a bonus, isn't it, in life in general. Yeah. But... Connor, I think that is a wonderful place, actually, to wrap up what has been a fascinating episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've just had a look at the time. been going on for over an hour. That's absolutely <laughs> flown by. But just before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? Uh, no, just apart from the hat, Steve, talking mental skills, I see you uh... That's the only thing, really. Um, I said to him I'd wear it, so I've kept my promise. So, uh, yeah, if he does listen to it, shout out to Steve and uh, talk about mental skills. But apart from that, um, no, nothing nothing really more to add. But, uh, no, I appreciate uh, you allowing me to come on. I've, uh, like I said, enjoyed the chat. Um, and it's been, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. And to be honest, you're always welcome back here on the Counter Cricket Podcast in the future. That invitation is always on the cards. And, I will just say it before we end, but shout out to Steve Reingold and Kieran Carlson. They do a great job with talking mental skills. And we will, of course, leave the links to their social media channels in the podcast description below alongside Connor's socials as well. So listeners, if you want to go and follow Connor, Steve, Kieran and talking mental skills, please feel free to do so at the end of today's podcast. But that is essentially it from us too for tonight's episode of TCCP. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.